Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, once again we thank you this morning. We just come before you. Oh God, we're asking for inspiration, wisdom, and understanding. We demand God that your spirit will grant us the privilege to receive and walk in the light of that God which you sharing with us. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Alright, so we're going to continue with our study on the Libra soul. Uh, sorry, last week I mentioned part three, but actually this is, I mean part four, but this is actually part four. Last week was part three because we skip a date uh, when we had further the program. So this is part number four, the Libra soul. Hallelujah. And again, our text is taken from the book of Proverbs 11, like we say, verse 25. Uh, the Libra soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall water also himself. And we have extensively exhausted this topic, I mean this particular verse, in trying to make you understand that life is about giving. The more you open up your door, your storehouse to people, the more you cause other people to rejoice, the more you cause love and gladness to come to the heart of other people, the more you have yourself watered also. It's important we understand this because this is what actually sets us free. I'm going to give us, in kind of summary, a few things today that you receive when you are a liberal soul. Hallelujah. Okay, so the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watered uh, water also himself. Now, let's go very quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read verse 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. As it is written, he that hath dispatched abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. His righteousness remaineth forever. I want you to get that. He that dispatched abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. The man who is liberal, Maintains his righteousness before God. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, but minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed soul, and increase the fruit of your righteousness. I want you to see how your giving, your blessing people, encompasses your righteousness. How the badam means. You are not only establishing your righteousness, you are increasing your righteousness. And one of the fruit of righteousness in the true sense is not just the fruit of bear, it's Christ himself. It's the spirit of Christ. This is what we're talking about, the supply of the spirit of Christ. Because you see, Christ is made unto us righteousness and justification. So increasing your righteousness, you walk in the light of the Spirit of Christ that abetted you or has come into your life. Are you with me? And this is done through almsgiving. As you walk in this light, you increase in your righteousness. You're multiplying the grace of God upon your life. You're walking in the very DNA with which Christ himself has given birth to each and every one of us. That's what the scripture is saying. 
Hallelujah. So you find that righteousness is not actually uh, concluded or finished if you don't walk in this light. It's not. Because remember, one of the reasons by which he came, now in fact, the scripture describes him as the gift of God. God so loved the word that he gave. Did you get that? Good. God so loved that he gave. He says, so he gave us a principle of his life and is the nature of God. And God intends you to walk in that light because the nature of God is the nature of righteousness and justice. So you find that when you begin to walk in this light, there is an increase, a multiplication of the grace of God and the light of God that comes into your life. Praise the living God. Amen. Alright. Now, I need to show you something about the Hebrews culture. Now, um, if you take time to study, you find that arms given, as we have seen here, is by the name of righteousness. But the fathers and tradition taught, and the common people believe that arms contribute very much to justification. The Hebrew people, the teacher, arms given, contribute to justification. And this is very important for you to understand. And that is why the Hebrew people, they, they, they sink themselves into the belief and conviction of Titan. Because it borders on justification for them. Are you with me? Praise the living God. So, they don't play with arms given. Right? They don't play with arms given. Now remember, that's why... Jesus was speaking to them at the point, I think, 19, 23, 23, making them to understand that. When he said, you give alms of vegetables and everything. Remember that? You pay your tithe, but you have led the weightier matters of the law. This also you must do. Can you get that? Good. He wasn't saying they shouldn't, but he was saying they should have added other things, which is justice and judgment. And so... If you look at that scripture critically, look at it. One, two, you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. This ought here to have done, and not to leave the order undone. Did you see that? Good. And that is what it means by increasing your righteousness. This is a life that you have ordained that we should live. Praise the living God. Now you see, if you read this, can we take a simple translation of that number, my G23? Any other translation? Um, okay, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herbs, garden, but you ignore the more important aspect of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Did you get that? Now, you see how far they could go that even the vegetables in their garden don't pay tithe on them. Somebody say, I'm advocating tithe. Now, now, my God, let me tithe. I'm just preaching what the Bible says. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about what almsgiving does to you, what it does to your walk as a believer. And so Jesus was telling them this. You, you, and what I'm trying to make you understand, the Jews, they don't play with the issue of almsgiving. They don't joke with it. Hallelujah. 
Are you with me? Right. So to them it contributes to justification. What is justification? Be regarded and treated as if innocent or acquitted from consequences of guilt before the tribunal of God. That is justification. So the belief that arms given contribute to your justification. It's doing good. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying here? I needed to get this point because it's very important for you to know the justification by faith means that a person on account of true and living faith in Christ as manifested by good works will be delivered from condemnation on account of his sins. That is, his sin will be forgiven and be regarded and treated as if innocently and holy. Thus, beside the remission of sins and their penalty, it includes the restoration and everlasting enjoyment of the favor of God. That is justification. So the Jews don't play with that. Don't believe that. It is one of the things. Now if you watch what really happens, you find that. Even Abraham, that which you call tithes in Genesis 14. He merely gave ants. The spoil of his warfare. Unto who? Unto Melchizedek. He understood the principle of giving. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is very, very important. This is critically important for us to understand what giving does as we walk in the light of what the scriptures is saying. Amen? Hallelujah. I have a quote here with one rabbi, Babrush Hashanah. And this is what he says. This money goeth for arms that my sons may live and that I may obtain the world to come. It's a quotation by Bob Russia. Hashanah. Bob Rush Hashanah. That's what he said. I repeat that. This money go ahead for arms. By implication, he has his word. He removes some money strictly for arms. Are you getting that? This money go ahead for arms. And how many of us can really come to that place of practicing that? That when we have our money, we set some money aside just for arms, just to minister to people. Until you have this understanding, you probably cannot be able to practice that. This money goes for arms that my sons may live, and that I may obtain the world to come. Another man said, Hear a spear, and this is what he said. If you afford arms out of your paws, God will keep you from all damage and harm. I'll take that again. If you have fought arms out of your paws, God will keep you from all damage and harm. Now I'm going to make you see that from scriptures. These guys were not just talking. They were not quoting scripture, but indirectly they were quoting scriptures. Hallelujah. So the Hebrew believe in this matter. For one father given to a poor man in arms, a man is made partaker of the beautiful vision, the beautiful vision for anything given to the poor. You partake of the beautiful vision. What is the beautiful? A possession or an impartation, beautitude. That's what, like, how you say beautitude in the book of Matthew. You have the sermon of the man, they call it the beautitude. You partake of that. That is, I believe. Having a blissful appearance and beautiful smile, 
is from the Latin word beautific, which is to make happy. It means to bless. Hallelujah. What he's saying is, if you partake in almsgiving, you have the beautifies come to you. A time of joy, a time of rejoicing, a time of gladness. I made it understand this last time. When you bless people, when you give alms to people, what happens to your spirit? There is something that flows within your mind. If you do good, am I correct? Anything you give to anybody, there's a kind of joy that you receive. There's a kind of feeling of, of satisfaction, the feeling of having accomplished certain things in your spirit. Am I right? That's exactly what I'm saying. So he will partake in this. He's always happy. Always happy. In fact, remember the book of Isaiah? And as I was speaking, what fast do I talk about? Fast is not, not to shut up bowels against people, but to be in position of doing good, giving out, dealing out to people. So that's the kind of fast that I want. Praise the living God. So there's a kind of joy that comes to you. The kind of feeling of satisfaction that comes to you. And giving is a spiritual work. Hallelujah. Amen. Now I'm going to show you this. I call this the benefit of I'm given. Of generosity if you will. I just want to sum this up for us to follow. Let's look at Psalm 41 verse number 1 to 3 alone. I'll pick up a few things there. Psalm 41 verse number 1. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is he who considers the weak and the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of evil and trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. Can you remember what the first man said? Bob Raj, I give this arm that God may preserve my children. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. He shall be called blessed in the land, and he shall not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will sustain, refresh, and strengthen him on his bed of languishing. All his bed, you know, Lord, will turn, change, and transform in his illness. Hallelujah. What is the Bible telling us here? If you know how to give arms, study this. These are the things that you benefit. These are the things that comes from you. He delivers you. Even in times of trouble, your arms giving can save you. Are you done with me? So when you are doing what you are doing, it's not like you are bribing God. This is a convenient way of living with God. I want you to see the benefit for yourself. Take time to study that Psalm 41, 1 to 3 or 4. Take time to study it. The benefit that you get for getting engaged in almsgiving. Sometimes when you are requiring prayer, your almsgiving sets you free. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed is he that consider the poor, the Lord will deliver him in times of trouble. And this is very crucial for you to take in. If you understand what it means. 
It's not just about praying all the time. As important as that could be, the Bible is telling us you can be delivered just because of your arms given. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? I forgot to announce of yesterday. There was one DPO in the community where this crisis going on in our land. And they were going, this youth were going to the station of this man to burn down the station. The others, police guys, they ran out, ran away from the place. This DPO was calm. He came out and looked at these people. He started talking to them. And the next thing they started saying, you are a good man. You are a good man. You are a good man. And that was all. People were surprised. This youth who went there to burn the station could not do that. Why? Because this man had been partaking in their communities, doing things for them, identifying with them. They've seen him that is a good man. His good work delivered him. But there are other DPO that were beheaded. How many of you read that in the book? But this man came out. You see, when you really come to the place of being an armed giver, fear disappears from your life. Because God will deliver you. Your arms giving will set you free in times of trouble. It was not prayer that saved the DPO. It was what he had been doing. Other DPOs and stations were born down. But this man, no. As soon as they saw him, came and said, You are a good man. That was the only thing they could say. By implication, we are not going to do anything. You are a good man. As long as you are the one in this place, you are a good man. And they left the station. They left the DPO. They couldn't do any harm to him. His work spoke for him. His good will spoke for him. His relationship with the community spoke for him. What do you offer? What do you do? That's the question. The Bible is saying your arms giving will deliver you in the times of trouble. And this one is a particular example. He was set free because of who he was. Are you still there with me? But you know what we do? Even prayer, we don't pray until there's trouble. How many of you understand that? <laughs> but who wants to go to battle without first getting prepared? If what happened to this man, even if you say the word, God deliver me, that would have been enough. Why? Because his arms given is already speaking. Hallelujah. He is generally blessed and a blessed man. Somebody who gives arm is generally a blessed man. I need you to get that. Praise the living God. Amen. Number two. If we deliver in times of trouble, like we said, Psalm 41, verse number one, delivered in times of trouble, he is a blessed man. He is happy all the time. Why? Because you are in position of arms given. It's so good to be a generous man. It's so good to understand that arms giving is a way of worship. It's so good for you to come to that conclusion. A part of the way by which to prove my righteousness is to be an arm giver. It's to minister to the poor. It's to think of those who are downtrodden. It's to think of those who can help. You are better than somebody. Think about it. You may not have all the millions, but you are better than somebody. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Number three point is you will be preserved by particular providence. There's a preservation for you, which is like what I use the word deliverance. Right? There's kind of 
the providence you have. If you remember what I just told you about the quotation of that man, I'm giving this money, leaving my hand, that my souls will be preserved, that they might live. Providence, life begin to speak for you. Begin to come towards you. Why? Because you are an arms giver. You know how to give arms. Hallelujah. Are we there? Okay. Again, number two there, you find that in the passage. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou will not deliver him unto the hand of God. His enemies. This is enough for you. If anything else, this is enough for you to become an almsgiver. He will preserve you in times of trouble. Verse number two there. He will deliver you from the hands and the will of your enemies. Look at that. Blessed is he. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou will not deliver him into the will of his enemy. <laughs> Glory to God. The Lord will not deliver you into the will. So if your enemies are willing to destroy you, God will allow you to be destroyed because you are an giver. You know how to bless people. You know how to do good. You sow it into your future. You sow it into your preservation. You sow into your protection. You sow into the life of your children. Hallelujah. Is it conversely? If you are that wicked type, you are also sowing, even if not only your life, but into the life of your children. I'll give you an example. Some years past, there was a headmaster in the, in the primary school. And there was a teacher under this headmaster. And this headmaster was such a brutal guy, almost like SARS. You know, the way he treats his staff, the way he treats his, you know. So, this one of these staff that was treated so badly finally became the registrar of the University of Potaikot. I'm talking about Sunday Amara in the 80s. He became the registrar of the University of Potaikot. And then the headmaster's son got admission to the University of Potaikot. He passed the jam, did everything, and he went there to the university to get his assentance, whatever. And the, the registrar read. The least got the name and he asked him the question, Are you a son of that man? He said, Yes. Are you sure that man is your father? Yes, my father. My, my father. He said, Okay, that's all right. The man is your father, isn't he? He said, Yes, okay. Go back and tell him that one of his staff that he so treat so badly is now the registrar of this institution. Tell him that I refuse to admit you. It is not my turn. Out of my office. That's how they got lost the admission for that year. The father sold trouble for him ahead of time by his attitude and relationship to people. Are you sitting there with me? Now, there are instances where your life is so, if the father was such a good man, that guy will not need anything. And sometimes, even if the man cannot complete, they will see admitting and say, write and complete your papers here. Every good tone deserves another. Yeah, God is saying, you will not be delivered to the hands of your enemy. God himself will take you out of the hands because you are an arm giver. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise the living God. 
if you are not very good at praying, you should be good at giving. I mean, you should at least be good at giving. That will cover up for your weakness in prayers. I think that's the simplest way to go now. Because they have energy to fast, you have enough to pray, so why don't you be a giver? <laughs> at least, with that, you increase the multiplying and increasing your righteousness. Praise the living God. Number three says, He shall be kept alive amidst infection and danger. In times of trouble, in times of infection, in times of calamity, you shall be kept alive. You will not sink. Why? Because you are an ungiver. Praise the living God. Oh, I like verse down number two again. A point came out there. He shall be blessed on the earth in his temporary concern. That in terms of material things, in terms of business, you shall be blessed. Now verse number two, very powerful. You look at it again, you're going to find that. On the face of the earth, your daily life, your business, you shall be blessed because you are an ungiver. Praise the living God. Are you still there with me? I need you to get this point because it's so critical. It's so critical to life. It's so vitally important to life and living. But look, it is serious. Are you with me? I was given. You open a door that you cannot ordinarily open by yourself. Favor. You've been praying for favor. No, this is the key to favor. You know how some anointing for favor, you don't need to get any oil on your head to be favored. Walk in the precepts of the word of God. Favor will come. Hallelujah. So like we said uh, your enemies, if I may write that again, verse number six, I mean number six point, your enemies shall not be able to spoil or destroy you. But I'm giving no, you've broken loose from everything that they think they want to do. Just to be an arms giver. Your enemy can't destroy you. <laughs> they just can't destroy you. And the example of the DPO there is so clear. They can't in any way. By no means. <laughs> oh man, praise the living God. And yet again we find that number three, verse three rather. He shall be strengthened on the bed of languishing to enable him to bear his afflictions. God will set you free from your hospital bed. Being an almsgiver. You are not you are not supposed to die being sick. You may be sick, but that is not enough for you to die. For God will transform you. Hallelujah. He said, we turn, change, and transform you. So healing comes to you. Even on your sick bed. Praise God. That is why you see, if you know how to live this life that I'm talking about, what kills other people will not kill you. Because you're a generous man. It's not me talking, it's the Bible saying it. Are you following me? And that's why we should, we should develop this spirit. We should, we should begin to imbibe this life of generosity. Praise God. Are you there? So we find here that he shall have his comfort and support 
in the last minute of his life. Support will come. Strength will come. No illness is qualified to kill you. If you are an arms giver, God would pick you out of your sick bed. Can I hear amen to that? No matter how, no matter the nature of the sickness, no matter the description given to him medically, name it. And that he has tied you down your sick bed, God will pick you out because of your arms given. No sickness is permitted to kill you for being a generous man. Are you there with me? Let's read an account to prove this. Acts chapter 9. We're looking at 36 to 41. The book of Acts chapter 9. Now there was a job by a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and undid, which she did. Underline those things in your Bible. She was good of good works. And undid, which she did. <laughs> That's a woman. Hallelujah. She was not a preacher. She was not a prophetess. But his name is in the Bible. Why do you think God has to allow his name to enter into the scriptures? To serve as an example to other people and what he can do. And to prove his own scripture or his own word. Was full of good works. And undid which she did. At least if you are not known for being a big preacher. Be known for being an arms giver. Hallelujah. Are you done with me? I'll be known for something. I know they don't allow me to preach. They don't allow, no, thank God for that. Don't let that be an issue. We are not stopping you from being an arms giver too. If we, we are not allowing you to preach, we are not stopping you from being an arms giver. There is still a ministry there. This woman is full of good works. That is, she spent her life in art of kindness and charity. Her soul was full of love to God and man. And her whole life, her time was filled up with works of love and mercy. This is what characterized that woman. She was full of love, mercy to people. She knows how to minister to people. She knows how to cheer up people. She knows how to get sorrow out of people's life. She was not a preacher. But she had a ministry. You too can have that. Hallelujah. Look at verse 37. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick. And died. Who when they had washed. They laid her up in an upper chamber. By implication. She was really dead. For the Jews to take you up to the upper room. And dress you up. It means you were dead. So this woman was dead. Is that okay? Remember this. And for a mother's leader, was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and garment which Dokas made while she was with them. 
Can you get the picture? Peter has come, he wants to pray. And the people are just saying, listen to me. This woman cannot die. You see this coat? She made it for me. You see this jacket I'm putting on? She made it for me. You see that wrap I'm tying? She bought it for me. This woman can die. The widows all gathered. Why would she die? When the widows have a voice and God is the husband to the widows, that means she was taking care of the very wife of God. She was caring for the people that God cares for. Why do you think she is going to die? She can't die. Look at the next thing. But Peter put them all forth and knelt down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, rise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Someone that was dead. Sat up. How did she come up? One thing was speaking for him. Remember what we read in Psalm 42? Even on your Psalm 41. Even on your sick bed, the Lord will take you out. And this world demonstrated it. Somebody that was dead came back to life. Because Psalm 41 says, If you are an answer, God will turn this round and pick up from your sick bed. This one had gone beyond being sick. This one was already dead. But God picked her out. Because the people came and said, look at this. She did this for me. Look at the shoe I'm putting on. She bought it for me. Everything. All those who got out there. It's like saying, if she leaves now, who will replace her in her lives? And God said, she has to come back so that she can keep on with the good works. Bible says you are good, full of good works and arms given. What are you known for? What will you be known for? I mean, you just talk to me. Praise the living God. You see, you always sometimes think about, but pastor, what do you think? There are people around you. They are all over the place. People you can help, they are all over the place. Let me see what happens here. Verse 41. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up and went. He has called the saints and widows preserved, presented her what? Alive. He gave her life to the people. Oh, glory to God. He said, God is saying, our widows. And so you widows, no, she's back to you. Have her. Your comforter, your sucorer, the person that gives you joy all the time. She is alive. She is not dead. Her good works brought her back to life. God's word can't fail. Take time to study any promise that God ever gave in the Bible. You always find an example that illustrates that. Praise the living God. So Dukas came back to life because the record said she was full of good works and arms eat. Let our faith not just rest on we don't go to heaven. No. Let our faith not just rest on oh, I'm going home to get a mansion. No. We're talking about the life you're supposed to live here. We're talking about how your name is supposed to be glorified, exalted, if you will. We're talking about how your name will come into the scroll that God is writing of the things that happened before. I was sharing with somebody a few days ago. He asked a question and I made him to understand. Why do you think in the book of Acts there is no amen at the end? Read all other Bibles. When it's finished, they say Amen. That's the New Testament. Have you noticed that? Always Amen, Amen. But when you come to the book of Ah, there is no Amen. You can check your Bible now. You don't see Amen there. Why do you think it's, there's no Amen? Because even how now that we are here, we are still writing the book of Acts. 
Because it's not the act of the apostle, it's actually the act of the Holy Ghost through the apostles. So as long as the Holy Ghost is still doing stuff, the book is still being written. So your name should be written also in the book of Acts. Did you get the meaning? That's why in verse 1 it says, Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, He didn't end it, He began. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you here with me? So here is Dorcas. Her name is right in the book of Acts because she partook of the Holy Spirit that could lead men to do good. Jesus went about doing good and healing our prayers of the devil. The first thing is doing good before healing do the oppress of the devil. Look has walked in that light. Praise the living God. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6 verse number 9. Praise Lord. Let just first of all I'm going to read it from two translations. Message translation and then I go to NLT, New Living Translation. Hallelujah. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the point in time when we harvest good crops, if we don't give up. Can I hear an amen? Because you'll be wondering. Pastor, you don't understand. I've been trying all of the things I've been doing. I haven't seen anything yet. Even those that do good for, they turn around and insult me and abuse me. Praise God. Don't forget. Everything you've done is on record. And the Bible is saying the time is coming where you're going to get into the place of harvest. You just sow some seed. You just put some seed on the soil. They are growing. All of those insults are coming to you for that which you have even done. There's like toes and teasels that are trying to choke your seed. But as long as your mind is on that which is of Christ, you can continue with the life you are living. The Bible is assuring you there's a time of harvest. Praise the living God. And no man can share that with you when your time of harvest comes. Hallelujah. Every good gift you have ever done is a store. It's a seed. The harvest is going to come. That's why you should continue to do good. Hallelujah. Now look at the next thing. So they say don't quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all Starting with the people of closest to us in the community of faith. Now I want to define the community of faith through the New Living Translation. So let's go down to New Living Translation, verse 9 and 10 again. Hallelujah. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Can I hear an amen? I guess at the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That means when you know how to do good, listen to this. You know how to do good and you are doing it and you feel you are not rewarded, you pull out, you go short your time of harvest. Did you get that? You know how to do good. At a point you got tired. So it's like saying when you are entering your harvest, you got tired. So don't give up. You're doing good. Because there's a harvest that is coming. There's a reaping that is coming. Every good you've done is a seed. 
and it's going to come to a time of harvest, you reap it. Nobody thinks about that. Nobody can stop that. But if you stop, because people don't value what you do, if you stop, because you don't want, you're not getting the praise that you want, you call short your time of harvest. This should be a good lesson for us to learn that whether people reward you for evil, even if that which you've done, that should not be enough reason for you to stop doing what you were supposed to be doing before. You will call short your harvest because of people's attitude towards you. I know it's painful sometimes, but that will not stop us from doing good. Praise the living God. For we know that there's going to be a time of harvest and no man can stop that. It will come. Learn to do good. Train your children to love and to do good. Praise the living God. Verse 10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, and I want you to know that, when we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Not some people at all. Everyone. Are you still there with me? Especially to those in the family of faith. Every opportunity we have, every opportunity we have, we should maximize it in doing good. Especially, especially to those in the family of faith. Try Hebrew 10 verses for me. Let me say something there. Every opportunity you have. No, that's not what I need. Go to 16. Let me see. Praise the Lord. Praise 16. That's what I'm looking for. Good. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Thank you for a simpler translation. He is not unrighteous. Simpler translation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers. As you still do, as you still do, he's not unrighteous. The community of faith, God is not blind, God does not ignore, God does not forget, God does not despise, God does not reject, He doesn't turn His back on the good things you are doing, especially. For the Christian body. It's not unjust. He said you're working hard. For his name's sake. You're doing good. For his name's sake. And this is telling you something. You are not doing it for those people. You are doing it for God. He said he's not unrighteous. He said he will reward you. For all the good that you're doing. He will visit you when you least expect it. That's why you must not be weary. In well doing. For in due season you shall reap. The harvest. Are you still there with me? I'm talking about the liberal soul. I'm talking about the benefit of being a liberal man. I'm talking of what you what you get for being a liberal soul. 
Anytime, anywhere. I'm saying your good works will deliver you in times of trouble. I'm saying your good work will get you out of sickness in times of illness. I'm saying your good work will come to you when you least expect it. Don't be tired in well-doing. Praise the living God, somebody. So here is the scripture for you as we begin to round up. God is not unjust. It's not unjust that you can take that to the bank. You can ensure that word from God. God is not unjust. You may not see it now. Nobody plants a crop and avails the fruit tomorrow. No. You plant a crop, you're going to wait for some season. What's the next thing you're going to do? You're going to take care of that crop. You're going to, you know, maybe manure it, whatever the case may be. You tend it until it grows to the time of bearing fruit. Every good thing you're doing, you just watch it. Pray over it. Take care of the good you're doing. Don't allow whatever the anybody says to distort your thought and your mind. Don't allow what men do to distort your feelings. Don't allow the wickedness of men to turn you away from that lifestyle of being good. For in due season you shall reap. Praise the living God. So, what are we saying? God is not unjust. Go back to King James and look at that. God is not unjust. It's not unrighteous. It's not unrighteous to forget. That's the key word. To forget your labor of love. Which you've shown because of him on his behalf. And you continue to do. That's to say you don't stop. You continue. That's to say you don't be tired. You continue. And everything you're doing is not unjust. He is not unfaithful. He doesn't close his eyes to what you're doing. He watches over your seed. And there's a habit that is coming towards you. There's a habit coming for you. Even in health, he comes to you by reason of the good deeds you do. Remember... Even Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar the same thing. Why don't you do good? Say, Perab, it will lengthen your tranquility. It will lengthen your days. It will lengthen your peace. When you do good, it strengthens. It gives you more days to live. Man, we don't want you to die. They begin talking to God. God, we don't want this man to go. He has done this for me. He has strengthened me in times of difficulty. He encouraged me when I was in sorrow. He strengthened me when I was in pain. God, this man can't go. May we pray on your behalf. What your prayers cannot achieve, other people's prayer can achieve that. And how is that going to be done? By reason of the good deed you do. How many of you remember the centurion? When it's our, not the centurion, you had to build a temple for Israel. Remember the story? And then, the servant of the centurion was sick. You know the story? Good. The people went to Jesus. Hey, master, you come and call here, that man's servant. He built us a temple. He single-handedly built us a temple. And guess what? The man is a centurion. He was not a Jew. He was a Roman. But he built Israel a temple to worship God. You cannot allow the servant. No, not the man, but his servant. Not even the man. His servant. That's why Adam made a statement. This money leaving my hand is an assurance for my children that they will live well. The man built a temple. His servant would heal. What healed the man's servant? The temple that he built. What raised up Dorcas? The clothes that he gave to people. What is going to save your life? Think about that. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Mm. I need to get this. Because of the final section I'm sharing on this. You may have to go back and listen all over again and again and again. It's important. Hallelujah. So again, I take the quotation of this man and I quit. This money 
goeth for arms. I'm separating part of my money for arms. That my souls may live. That's what the centurion did. And that I may obtain the world to come. In other words, I obtain eternal life. How many of you remember what Jesus told the young rich ruler? How many of you remember that? We came and said, How can I have an eternal life? That's been the world to come. Okay, you go sell and give to people. Can you see that? <laughs> Just go do arms, sell all that you have, give to the poor. Follow me. You have eternal life. This man said, I'm setting this money aside. Just for people. For arms giving. That I may obtain the world to come and that my sons may live. So you sow seed ahead of your children. The same principle that Abraham had when Levi was in the loins of Abraham. He sowed seed as it were. Abraham, I mean, Levi paid tithes in the loins of Abraham. It's just the same thing this man is saying. I'm sowing the seed. For the sake of my children. So some of the good things you do. They preserve your relations. They preserve your children. They preserve your family people. Hallelujah. And the other man said. If you afford arms. Out of your purse. God will keep you. From all damage and harm. Is that in the scripture? Psalm 41. Praise the living God. Friend I have come to encourage you this morning. To continue with what? Good works. Don't you ever think you will not be rewarded? Don't you ever think God is unfaithful to forget your level of love? Don't you ever think that? Your reward is coming. I say your reward is coming. Your reward is coming. Your harvest is coming. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.